Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Oh, he's so handsome. What's September 9th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for the FFE, the Fun Friday edition of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show, loaded show. We are obviously going to open with week two, college football, so much going on. We got Bama, Texas. We got Kentucky going to the swamp. We got Arkansas hosting South Carolina, Stanford hosting USC, BYU hosting Baylor. So many good games. We are going to break them all down. From there, take a quick break, and I'll say this. We got ourselves a new $11 million a year head coach of college football, Dabo Sweeney. This is the rare one. I'm not sure that I really like it, and we'll discuss why uh, a little bit later in the show. And then we will wrap with our Friday staple. It was gone last week. It is back this week. Everybody relax. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong is back. My best and worst takes of the college football offseason. And I did throw one NFL topic in there as well. Really fun show today. I think we're going to have a blast. Appreciate everybody's support in week one of the five episodes a week, Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Really appreciate everybody tuning in, everyone supporting us. I also appreciate, I should mention, our new presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook. Look, I've told you all week about Betfred, so I'm not going to go into the whole history and everything they do. You know they're incredible. You know that nobody takes care of their betters better than anybody else. And how about this for a week one deal for listeners of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast? First of all, for pretty much anybody. They have what they call the double take, which is you can go ahead in any NFL game this weekend. You can bet on the player to score the first TD in any game. Sounds cool. Sounds easy. Sounds simple. Here's the catch. There is no catch. The catch is that Betfred, you bet the guy that you think is going to score the first touchdown. If that guy then scores a second touchdown, you get double your money double the payout. I'll give you an example. Last year, CJ Uzama, Cincinnati Bengals, he was plus 4,000 
to catch the first touchdown of the game. He catches it. He catches a second one later. That is called the double take. Guess what happened? It paid out 80 to one. If you had 10 bucks on that bet, you got a cool $800 back. That is in the Betfred Sportsbook available to any bettors who are intrigued or interested in the double take. And I should mention this as well. We got ourselves a special Aaron Torres pod boost in the Betfred Sportsbook. So here's the deal. Uh, we are, the show, um, hate to brag, we're very popular in the state of Arizona. It just so happens that one of my favorite bets this week is Arizona plus 10 and a half at home against Mississippi State. Pac-12 after dark, Mississippi State traveling across country. They played late. Uh, they now have to play an 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central kickoff. I have Arizona plus 10 and a half. You download the Betfred Sportsbook. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, or Pennsylvania, they go ahead and give you a boost plus one, plus 105 as opposed to the minus 110. You're going to make great money. Aaron Torres pod boost. Go ahead, support this show. Let Betfred know we sent you the Aaron Torres boost. Arizona plus 10 and a half at home. That's not, I'm not calling it. I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. Feels pretty good to me. Plus 105. That is the Aaron Torres boost. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Bet Arizona plus 10 and a half. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, well, I'll be honest. It's going to be the same topic we have pretty much to lead every Friday show from now until, I don't know what, the middle of December? It's that we got ourselves a college football weekend, baby. And so something stood out to me as I prepped for this show is that it is so funny, right? We spend all this time, we literally spend nine months thinking about the college football season and specifically week one, the Florida Utahs, the Ohio State Notre Dames, the Georgia Oregons. And then those games get played, and then we immediately move on to week two. That is where we are. Put week one in the rearview mirror. Week two is coming at you full steam ahead. And so I want to get into all the games. And look, I'm obviously going to start with the game that everybody is talking about heading into the weekend. It is, of course, Alabama-Texas. Alabama, a 20-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook as they travel to Austin. And so it's interesting. I was thinking about this game. I mentioned it on the college football betting show. But when I think about this game, one thing stands out. I can't ever remember a game that is more highly anticipated that nobody actually thinks one team can win, right? We see Alabama-Texas on paper. We get really excited. And I think we realize, oh boy, Texas has their backs against the wall. And what was interesting was, it was funny, I was on with my buddy Ryan Fowler down in Tuscaloosa on Thursday afternoon, and he brought up a great point. Steve Sarkeesian, in his pre-press conference this week, pre-game press conference on Monday or Tuesday, he said, regardless of what happens against Alabama, it doesn't stop us from achieving any of our goals, which are to win the Big 12, win a conference championship, and compete at the highest level. Listen, I'm not saying that's a losing attitude. What I am saying, I've never seen a $5 million, $6 million a year head coach basically concede defeat on Monday or Tuesday, only that's what Steve Sarkeesian appears to have done. And what I would say on top of that is that I have spent all week long, it's funny, right? And I think I've said this on this show. I consider myself more, more than a media member. I consider myself kind of a quote unquote entertainer. And all week long, I have been trying my hardest to figure out a way to make this game compelling. 
And I just don't know that I can because I don't see the pathway to Texas winning this game. Now, to Texas's credit, listen, this is not a like, and I, I know I say this on, on every platform that I'm on. This isn't like an anti-Texas, Texas is overrated, Texas isn't back. They did everything you could have asked of them in week one against UL Monroe. Put up 52 points, Quinn Ewers was pretty good, their starting quarterback, all that good stuff. But it's one thing to go against UL Monroe. It's another thing to go against Alabama, again, in a game where their head coach, Steve Sarkeesian, has basically conceded defeat before it even began. And when I look at this game, listen, I, I could sit here and, and, and tell you a million different stats and break things down a million different ways. Let me just be blunt. I think this game comes down to two things and two things only and two things strike me. I, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm putting up the twos. It's like the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, I don't know, the, the peace sign, whatever. The point I'm trying to make is two things stand out when I think about this game. The first thing that stands out is this. When I started my prep for this game on Monday, Tuesday, really diving into both teams' strengths and weaknesses, is there any way that Texas can keep this close? I saw something on the depth chart that would terrify me if I was a Texas fan. It is that Texas is going to go into this game. Remember, we talked earlier in the, the this month and last month in the preseason about injuries at Texas in the lead-up to the season. Texas has had several key injuries, including an offensive guard named Junior Angelau. And why that's important, Texas is going into this game with two true freshmen starting on the offensive line. Devin Campbell, five-star coming in, and then another kid named Cole Hudson, who wasn't even like a super highly recruited player. That's bad enough. Doing it against the best pass rush in college football, Alabama, Will Anderson, my Heisman pick, uh, Dallas Turner, that is not a recipe for success if you are the Texas Longhorns. The other thing that stands out to me is on the other side of the ball, and it's something, again, that I have talked about with Texas. A lot of the reason that there is so much excitement about Texas this year is two things. One, they're recruiting really well in the class of 2023. We've talked about it. Arch Manning, nephew of Peyton and Eli, grandson of Archie Manning, et cetera, et cetera. But the other reason that people are so excited about Texas, they really did clean up in the transfer portal this offseason, this past offseason players that are eligible now. The problem is, or the problem as I see it, where are the defensive difference makers? And, and what's interesting to me, we get so excited about the transfer portal. Quinn Ewers, the quarterback signed. Uh, Xavier, uh, not, not Xavier Worthy, excuse me. Um, uh, the kid Isaiah Nayor from Wyoming, who's injured, won't play in this game. Ajayi Hall from Alabama will play in this game. Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama, suspended, will not play in this game. But we spend so much time talking about those transfers. They're all on the offensive side of the ball. Texas was really good on offense last year. Like, like that's the part that I think everyone forgets. They were good on offense last year. The problem was on defense, where they ranked 100th nationally in total defense. And on top of that, this kind of stat blew my mind. Remember they had that five-game losing streak late in the season? Five straight losses, including to Kansas at home, including to Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas. In that five-game losing streak, they gave up 30 or more points in all five games. And like I said, they didn't play Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley five straight times. They played uh, Iowa State, not, not an offensive juggernaut. Obviously, Kansas is an offensive juggernaut. And so my question is, it's great that they got all these guys on offense. What about defense? Where are all the dudes on defense that are going to be game changers and game wreckers? I don't see it. And so at the end of the day, I'm not going to keep going on on this game and try to sell you why Texas can win. Bryce Young is back. 
The offense, I think, is more refined with Jameer Gibbs, the transfer from Georgia Tech, nine yards per carry in his debut. And as I told you earlier this week, Blake Anderson, the head coach of Utah State, he's been in college football for 30 years. He said the Alabama team that he saw in week one, Alabama beat Utah State 55 to nothing. That's the best college football team I've ever seen. I have Alabama winning. My official pick in the Bedfred Sportsbook, I do have Alabama's first half. I worry about the backdoor cover for those of you who are gamblers. Final score, I'll say 50, I'll say 45 to 14. I think Alabama rolls in this one. Let's keep it going. Let's go to what I think is, is honestly one of the more intriguing games of the weekend, it, and it is, right, is Kentucky at Florida. Uh, line movement, for those of you, again, this isn't a necessarily a betting segment. We have the college football betting show for this. But the line movement is interesting. Kentucky opened as a five and a half point favorite. It went down to four and a half, which means that a lot of money came in on Kentucky. And now as I record here on Thursday night, it is back up to six, which tells me that there's a lot of money coming in on Florida. And so really interesting game. And what's really interesting to me about this game specifically is the how the conversation about a college football team and program can change. And really for both, right? Think about where we were with these two teams just one week ago. One week ago, Florida was new head coach. Dan Mullen was a disaster. They're at least two, three, four, five years away. Maybe not five, but two, three years away. Then they beat Utah. They get a great win. Interception on the goal line. Now they're ranked number 12 in the country. Flipped that with Kentucky. Came in with so much hype, so much expectations. Mark Stoops is chirping at John Calipari. And then they struggle for a little bit against Miami of Ohio. And now all of a sudden people are saying Kentucky can't win this game. As I said, Florida is now up to close to a touchdown favorite. And more important than that, uh, did you see Roman Harper from the SEC Network chirping, saying that he believes Kentucky is too soft to match up in this game? Mark Stoops, Vince Merrow, you know they are using that in their favor going into this one. Still, when I look at this game, a couple things stand out. What, what's most intriguing to me when I look at this game is a couple things. Is one, from the Florida perspective, I just think it's going to be interesting. Where is Anthony Richardson, the star quarterback, at this week now that Kentucky has a week's worth of film on him? Anthony Richardson was awesome. Over 100 yards rushing, 9 yards per carry, 3 rushing touchdowns really good in the pocket. He looked like a number one overall type pick last week. Of course, that was really only his second career start. The first came against Georgia last year, that historic Georgia defense. Uh, and so it was really hard to gauge anything from him. And so one, I'm just curious, Kentucky has a week to prepare for him, a week to see what he did on film. I'm curious how they respond. On the Kentucky side, what I would say is, I don't think Roman Harper was right. I don't think Kentucky is soft. But I think any Kentucky fan has a little bit of concern about the ground game from Kentucky and about the, the offensive line from Kentucky. Listen, I'd be lying if I said I watched every second of that Miami of Ohio game last week in week one. But that game at one point was 13 to 10 at halftime. Kentucky rushed for just 50 yards on 26 carries. That is 1.9 yards per rush. And I would be very concerned coming into this game. Now, the good news for Kentucky is that Florida's defensive line is far from elite. Billy Napier said so himself. They're thin at certain positions. This is definitely one of them. But if I'm a Kentucky fan, that is what I'm concerned about. Is the offensive line ready? And more importantly, do we just have enough bodies on, on in the running back room? 
Chris Rodriguez won't play. Uh, Ramon Jefferson, a highly touted FCS transfer, is out for this game. And so I, I just look at this. Cavassier Smoke, I know, is obviously available, but that's a lot on his shoulders. The other thing, too, and I mentioned this on the college football betting show, Mark Stoops can at times be very conservative in tight SEC, especially SEC road games, Now at home as well, but really on the road. Last year, Kentucky played four SEC road games. They played against the worst team in the league and the best team in the league on the road, Vanderbilt and Georgia, so we'll take those out. But the two other ones, South Carolina on the road, 16 points, 102 yards passing. Mississippi State on the road, 17 points, 150 yards passing. And so I do worry, if Kentucky can't run the ball, is Mark Stoops really going to let Will Levis loose, or is he going to play a little bit tight to the vest? Uh, No official pick on this one as far as a, a, a prediction. I probably would say, listen, my, my bet is the over-under. I'll take the under of 53 and a half. This one feels like probably a 24-20, 22-19 type game, similar to the Utah-Florida game last week. I'll take Florida in a narrow win, but Kentucky to cover. Would not surprise me at all to see Florida win or to see Kentucky win this game outright. But to me, the better bet is the under. SEC opener for Kentucky and Florida in the swamp. How about this? SEC opener for Arkansas and South Carolina in Fayetteville. Big pig invasion, baby. I'll just say this. Listen, I I think, you know, we have a lot of Arkansas fans that listen to this show. I think most of you would agree that it was not Arkansas's best effort in their season opener. But what I would also say is it shows you how far this program has come that Arkansas can pick up a win against a top 25 team when they did not play that well. Final score in week one, 31 to 24. And what stands out to me about that game is one, Cincinnati did not play well. Cincinnati had a chance. Two missed field goals, one fumble, uh, one interception. And this was kind of a crazy stat. Four times in the first half, they were able to get into Arkansas territory and came up with no points. That is not going to happen again. But I do think on the flip side, I think the net positive is if you're Arkansas, What I saw from Arkansas, which I do think bodes well, yes, you would have liked to be a little bit more dominant. Yes, you would have liked the defense to be a little bit better. But one, you were playing a team that made the playoff last year. So, like, let's not undersell Cincinnati here. But then, two, think about it like this. We're talking about Arkansas not being complete or being perfect. K.J. Jefferson still completed 18 of 26 passes, 223 yards, three touchdowns, and rushed for another – like, you talk about a bad game. This is Arkansas now. Two, you know, three years ago when Chad Morris was there, they're, you know, they're, they're losing by 50 to not even good teams. Now they beat a ranked team at home to open the season. And people were saying, ah, they didn't play their best effort. KJ Jefferson, their star quarterback has four touchdowns. Now on the flip side, South Carolina, I'll say this. I would be a little bit worried if I was South Carolina, but then again, I would have been worried coming into the year. And if you listen to the college football betting show, and if you don't, you should. Um, You know, this was one I I think I'm going to end up being right on. Coming into the year, South Carolina had a lot of hype. And I simply said, I I don't get the South Carolina hype. You go back to last year, they really were able to build their resume off off of beating a couple really bad teams late. Uh, They beat Florida right before they fired Dan Mullen. They beat Auburn right in the midst of all of Auburn's problems. And so I look back to last year. And I say, were they that good or did they just catch the right teams at the right time? Well, fast forward to this year. They have Spencer Rattler. That's the other thing. Oh, we brought in this super high profile quarterback. 
Yeah, but he wasn't good, and he got benched twice. Well, week one for South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, 227 yards, six yards per completion, not ideal, one touchdown, two interceptions. And more importantly, South Carolina, like Kentucky, really struggled to move the ball on the ground last week, 79 yards rushing, two and a half yards per carry. And so when I look at this game, what it says to me, what stands out to me, this feels like a styles make fights type game, right? To me, I, I so I get, by the way, the, the, the spread was eight and a half in the Betfred Sportsbook. It's down to eight. Um, I actually, I, I, the money's coming in on South Carolina. I like Arkansas because I know Arkansas wasn't great in week one. Neither was South Carolina and both teams are going to be better. But when I look at this game, Arkansas, what they do so well, they impose their will on people and they impose their will in the trenches. South Carolina, I just don't know if they're ready to match up. I don't know if they have those dudes in the trenches. I have Arkansas winning this game. I'll say somewhere in the neighborhood of 31 to 16 or something like that, the Hogs winning convincingly. Let's keep it going. We'll rip through a couple other games before we get to uh, the rest of the show. I'll tell you, maybe the most interesting game to me of the weekend, USC at Stanford. Bedford Sportsbook, eight and a half point favorite USC at Stanford. Why this one is so interesting to me is for a few reasons. One, it feels like just betting USC as a favorite, um, it just feels, they call it in in the betting world, a very square play. That feels like a very square play to me to go ahead and bet Stanford, to bet USC despite coming off the win. Remember, Stanford last year won at the LA Coliseum. It was the game that ultimately cost Clay Hilton his job. Stanford has won two of the last three against USC, and they've won four of the last five against USC at home. Now, I don't think they're beating USC at home, but doesn't it feel a little too obvious? USC, game one, under Lincoln Riley last week, 66 points, uh, three defensive touchdowns, 539 yards of total offense, and it just feels a little too on the nose for, oh, it just, like, like every cliche narrative, from the entire year seemed to come into fruition uh, last last Saturday of basically Lincoln Riley. He just shows up at USC and it's Oklahoma 2.0 and they, they start hot and don't miss a beat. And so when I look at this game, I do think it's going to be close. Caleb Williams did struggle down the stretch last year. He struggled on the road at Oklahoma State. He struggled on the road at Baylor. Uh, but I also, I can't pick Stanford to win this game. I mean, Stanford's terrible. If you listen to my, my Pac-12 preview college football betting, I said, I think Stanford's one of the most overvalued teams in the country. Four and a half wins. They're a three and nine football team. Um, you know, last year were really bad defensively, turned the ball over way too much. I think they're a little bit better this year, but I do have USC winning the game. Ripping through a couple other games. One, Baylor at BYU. What this game comes down to for me, I'll be pretty quick on this. Um, BYU is a three-point favorite, Bedford Sportsbook. And when I look at this one, this is me trusting my preseason prep okay all offseason I said Baylor's overrated I said I don't understand why Baylor is the favorite in the pack in the big 12 I said I don't get why people are so excited about them and I really did like BYU which returns 18 starters from last year they go on the road in week one they beat South Florida they put up 38 points in the first half BYU looks really good and then from the Baylor perspective they did everything that was expected of them against an FCS opponent last week but I just don't know that I really believe that they're that good. So BYU's a slight favorite. Blake Shapin, the quarterback for, for Baylor, this will be his first career road start. 
played big minutes in the Big 12 championship game, played some in the bowl game. This will be his first career start unless I'm missing something from last year. And I do like Baylor to win this game. A couple other games, you know, I just told you about Arizona and Mississippi State. I think it's a good spot for Arizona to at least get the cover. Mississippi State, they played last week. Their game ended because of a lightning delay after midnight central time. They now have to fly across country, play an 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific kickoff against Arizona, fly immediately back, go to LSU a week later. This feels like a perfect trap game, perfect opportunity to take advantage of Mississippi State. Arizona, as I said on Tuesday's show, big win over San Diego State in week one. Uh, they dominated 38 to 20, I think was the final score. Jacob Cowing, a star wide receiver. Finally, what I would say, and I might have missed a game or two, Tennessee Pitt, no strong opinions on it. I think Tennessee wins. Uh, both teams put up a lot of points. The other one, I'd be remiss if I did not talk. UConn Huskies hosting the Syracuse Orange. Syracuse, a 23-point favorite going into Rensselaer Field. What I'll say really quick. It's one of my favorite bets of the weekend. UConn is a 23-point underdog at home. This is a huge road game, home game against a school that the, the, the program legitimately hates. And the school's jacked up. The school is opening the tailgate lots early to let fans tailgate for this game. It's going to be a 7 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Syracuse, interestingly, took care of Louisville at home last week. Next week, they start a four-game homestand. So this is their only road game in their first six games of the season, which is kind of incredible. So because of it, I think UConn covers. I should have bet UConn in week zero against Utah State. I back down. I like UConn to potentially pull off the outright upset, but they are a 23-point favorite. They are going to cover that spread. All right, this is what I want to do. Take a quick break. Do want to come back. And I do want to talk about Dabo Sweeney, another game-changing contract extension for Dabo. He joins the $11 million a year club. I'm going to tell you, I generally like when coaches get paid. I generally don't blame any administration for paying coaches. I do think this is the wrong decision. Come back, explain, and then we'll get to where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Take a quick break. Be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, NFL season is here. And if you may remember, all right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, NFL season is just around the corner. And wouldn't it be nice to join a pool with your buddies and have those all-important bragging rights while making a little bit of cash? Can't think of anything better in my opinion, but that's just me. Listen, here's the deal. You may remember I used and promoted BracketFanatics.com for March Madness. We did the Aaron Torres podcast, Bracket Fanatics Challenge. I gave out cash and I am back because Bracket Fanatics is now supporting the NFL regular season and playoffs and tournament format. We have ourselves an Aaron Torres pod, Bracket Challenge, NFL Pick'em. All you have to do, this is, it's pretty straightforward. It's not complicated, very simple. Go to bracketfanatics.com, click the join the bracket tab, and you join the bracket Torres. That is the code of the bracket that you're going to want to enter, code Torres, okay? Once there, it's completely free to enter. All you have to do, 
pick winners of every single game on the NFL slate. So week one obviously starts with Rams versus Bills. You pick that one. Nothing against the spread. Just pick winners and losers for all 16 teams. And when you win, not if you win, when you win, we're giving out a lot of cash. Here's the deal. We have $100 cash prize winners for every single week. So week one, you pick all the games. Guess what? We're giving out $100 cash prize to the winner of that week. And then the season-long winner gets a $1,000 cash prize, all courtesy of our friends at Bracket Fanatics. Again, free to enter, bracketfanatics.com. Join Bracket. Torres is what you want. Free to enter, $100 cash winners every week, and a $1,000 cash prize. And this is the cool part. I'll be updating every single week. I'll let you know who is winning each and every week on the Bracket Fanatics Challenge, the NFL Pick'em Challenge. Now, keep in mind also, this is important. If you are interested in starting or joining a bracket yourself, you can do that as well. With Bracket Fanatics, you can determine the pool fees and payouts. You can have Bracket Fanatics collect and distribute pool entry fees and payout funds, or you or players in your bracket collect, can collect funds yourself. Most importantly, by the way, if you want to make it free, like the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge, you could do that as well. But wait, there's another added bonus. Besides tracking wins and payouts for every player, Bracket Fanatics allows you to send or receive bets on any game with any player in your bracket using Bracket Bucks. While fantasy football is fun, it does require a lot of time. We all know that. And only a few players collect a payout. With Bracket Fanatics, you can invite your friends and you who want the social networking experience and send a little smack talk along the way while have, having an opportunity to win each week this season. NFL, Pick'em Challenge, Torres Pod, Link is going to be in the show description, but go to BracketFanatics.com, join Bracket, code Torres, free to enter, $100 cash prize, $1,000 cash prize each and every week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears, and I want to talk about something, uh, frankly, talk a little bit about money, okay? So college football over the last year, on top of all the other crazy stuff that's gone on, NIL, transfer portal, uh, playoff expansion, one theme in college football is the money for elite head coaches has just gone through the roof, Okay. Lincoln Riley gets paid a ton of cash to leave you at, to leave Oklahoma for USC. Brian Kelly, somewhere in the neighborhood of $100 million to go to LSU. Mel Tucker, as I always joke, $95 million, deservedly so, because somebody else was going to pay him. 
after what, 13, 14 career head coaching wins. So I have no problem with guys getting paid. And the money has gone even higher over the last probably month or so as we have had two people, as of Thursday anyway, join the $11 million a year or a little over $10 million a year club in college football. Kirby Smart got a big extension a few weeks ago. Nick Saban got a big extension after that. Well, on Thursday, it was apparently Dabo Sweeney's turn as we have a new member, a newest member of the $11 million club in college football, Dabo Sweeney, signing a massive 10-year $115 million contract extension on Thursday afternoon. And what I would say is, while I'm generally in favor of pretty much any coach getting whatever money you deem necessary to keep him happy, especially if he's a national championship winning coach, I do wonder if this was the right move for Clemson at this exact time. Now, as I just said 30 seconds ago, 20 seconds ago, whatever it was, uh, in general, like, like my stance is, Pay a coach whatever it takes to keep them happy, okay? We've had this conversation a million times. I think the, the, the argument about paying players is out the window now with NIL. But more importantly, the value that a head football coach brings to you, your university, if he is winning at the highest level, you cannot put a price on it. You can't put a price on donations, suite sales, ticket sales. Um, you can't put a price on, by the way, all of that that disappears when a good head coach leaves, Right. USC was drawing 40, 45,000 people. So Lincoln Riley, even if he's selling $5 tickets, you add 40,000 of them, that adds up pretty quick for six or seven home games. And that's on top of donations, sweet sales, as I just said. You can't put a price on an elite coach. You can't put in a price on what he does for a university. I've talked about it with Nick Saban. Alabama's enrollment has doubled since Nick Saban has got there. Out-of-state enrollment is through the roof. It's just a better university as a whole. So in general, as I said, I am not against you paying any coach any amount of money if they are truly elite to keep them happy. I do think Dabo Sweeney, though, at this exact moment in time, I do believe he might be the one exception, though. Let me explain why. For, to be clear, Dabo's a great coach. Okay, So I'm not saying he's, he's terrible, he's over the hill, he's past his prime, he's whatever. But what I would say about Dabo is a couple things. One, he just signed a $93 million extension back in 2019. So he was already in the top four, five, six coaches in college football in terms of total payment. Think he can survive on, on a little, you know, 9.3 or so million dollars a year. But two, he's obviously coming off what we would all deem to be a disappointing season, including himself. 10 and three a year ago. And I understand they got hot late. I understand that at anywhere else, anywhere other than Clemson, a 10 and three season is a reason to celebrate. They celebrate 10 and three seasons at about 126 of 131 power five, you know, you know, you know division one FBS programs, but that's not the case at Clemson. And he is, it is worth noting coming off basically his worst season in close to a decade. He's coming off a season in which he didn't win the ACC. He didn't win the division and he didn't make the college football playoff. Uh, all of the goals that are expected at this point at Clemson. And so to give him the contract extension now is a little bit surprising. And to give him a contract extension at this particular moment, not just because of last year, but because of where the program is, I think is interesting and maybe even possibly detrimental to the entire athletic department in Clemson football as a whole. Listen, we all know that Clemson is going through an awful lot on the field, off the field, whatever. They obviously lost two coordinators off of last year's team. Most notably, Brent Venables, maybe the best defensive coordinator in college football. And we all know 
that last year, when they did not have elite quarterback play, when they did not have Deshaun Watson, when they did not have Trevor Lawrence, they looked very good, but not elite. And so my question becomes, look at where Clemson is right now as a college football program. Not saying they're terrible. Not saying they're Vanderbilt. Not saying they're, uh, you know, Washington State. But I do think that they're at a very interesting crossroads. We're going to learn in the next couple years. Was Dabo Sweeney the reason that Clemson was a national championship caliber program? Or was it the infrastructure that Dabo Sweeney put in place around him that allowed him to do so? Maybe Cade Klubnick's the next great quarterback at Clemson. But what if he's not? Can Dabo Sweeney get to the playoff, win the ACC, compete with Alabama if he doesn't have a potential first-round pick at quarterback? Was Brent Venables an elite defensive coordinator, or was it all that incredible talent, or was it some convergence of all of it? I think we're going to learn over the next couple years. Beyond that, what I would also say is that Dabo, in this new era of college football, he's been a little hesitant to change, hasn't he? And that's where I would be concerned if I was the Clemson AD. Now, I don't think the new Clemson AD, obviously Clemson's old AD just left for Miami. I don't think the new Clemson AD has the you-know-what to sit down with Dabo and sit there and say, okay, what are the next 10 years of your program looking like? Dabo would probably laugh him out of the room. I'll be perfectly honest. I probably would if I was Dabo too. But at the same time, we know that Dabo has been hesitant to change. He has been the one remaining outspoken vocal critic of the transfer portal. I've talked about this a million times. Three, four, five years ago, no head coach at the highest levels wanted the transfer portal. Tom Izzo spoke out against it. Coach K, John Calipari, Nick Saban, Ryan Day, whoever. But once it came into place, everybody adjusted, and now everybody has taken advantage of it. Nick Saban plugged four or five huge holes, if Alabama has huge holes, huge holes this offseason. They got four or five starters out of the transfer portal, and that may be what elevates them from one of the contenders to the overwhelming favorite this year. Ryan Day has been aggressive. Lincoln Riley, even before he got to USC, plugged holes at Oklahoma via the portal, and then he completely rebuilt his roster through the portal. And I'm not saying Dabble or anyone at the highest level should do that. USC needed to do it. LSU needed to do it. But there was a willing and acceptance from Lincoln Riley, from Brian Kelly, to in fact embrace change. Dabble, meanwhile, has been hesitant, right? I mean, look, I know he's, he's starting to come around, but at the end of the day, Uh, He took one transfer this offseason. It was a quarterback who had previously played at Clemson, left, and then came back. Now, Dabo claims that he hit the portal and he evaluated a couple offensive linemen. They chose to go other places. But I guess my question is, this is the new world. This is where we are. Is Dabo going to be willing to change or is he going to be stuck in his ways? Same with NIL. He's been slow. He's been hesitant. He's been outspoken that he doesn't like it. Listen, a lot of us don't like it. I don't love it. I did like a... 20-minute rant the day that Jordan Addison hit the portal saying, we can't just have the best players leaving, coming, going. Like, like, But at the end of the day, guess what? We adjust, we evolve, and that's where you have to be. And I do worry, is that where Dabo Sweeney is? Go- is where is Dabo Sweeney going to be two, three, four years from now? And in turn, where is Clemson going to be? And so to me, I actually think this is a really important year. We're going to see what this defense looks like without Brent Venables. We're going to see what recruiting looks like with a new coaching staff. Now, to Dabo's credit, recruiting is really good right now. Top six, seven class in the class of 2023. And we're going to see if Cade Klubnick's the next guy. And we're going to see what happens with Clemson if they don't get elite quarterback play. Or what if Cade Klubnick eventually gets that job and is good but not great? Can they still win the ACC? Can they still make the playoff? 
And so when I look at giving Dabo an extension right now, listen, I'm not saying you don't pay Dabo Sweeney. I'm not saying you fire Dabo Sweeney. He's the best coach in the history of the school. I just don't understand why off of the most disappointing season in about seven or eight years, you felt the need to give him a contract extension. Guy was making close to nine and a half million dollars a year. He was one of the five highest paid coaches in college football, and he's coming off a disappointing year. And so to me, it feels like this almost feels like, you know what it feels like to me? It feels like when you have an elite baseball player who's no longer elite, but you got to make a splash and you sign him. Albert Pujols signing a 10-year contract at 31 years old or whatever he was. Uh, other guys signing contracts later in their careers when you know you're past, when you know they're past their prime and you're paying for previous production, not current production. Not saying that's the case with Dabo, but I think you can make a strong argument that by the end of this contract, that could be the case as well. And so to me, again, I don't understand why you had to pay him. Why not wait for this year? Why not wait to see? And then if they go 14-1, and if they make the playoff, if they win the ACC, if two, three, four other coaches get in that $10, $11 million range and he's all of a sudden the 15th highest paid coach, then that's a different conversation. But coming off a 10-win year, he's been really stubborn. He's been really stubborn to change. I think I just let him say, I just say, hey, 9.3 million looking pretty good. Let's see how you do. I just don't know if this was the right contract at the right moment for Dabble. This isn't one that I'm like outraged about. But if I was Clemson, I would hesitate. Oh, by the way, I didn't even mention. Keep in mind, the ACC is going to be way behind in revenue here over the course of this 10-year contract compared to, uh, you know, compared to the Big Ten in the in the SEC. Uh, and so it's fine as long as Dabble continues to win at the level that he has. I guess I just have questions over whether he'll be able to do that. All right, this is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. I do want to wrap with America's favorite segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. We'll take a quick break. We will be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap as we do almost every Friday. Now, 
Last week was the exception. There was a lot going on. But America was up in arms because we did not do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, as we do every Friday to wrap the show. Well, it's back. It's bigger than ever. Uh, and the concept is as how it always is, right? Uh, you know, I, I stole this from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Never want to be uh, accused or uh, say that, that I don't acknowledge the fact that this is Colin's bit that I stole. But I think it's a great way to wrap the week. Colin knows where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. I have decided to bring it to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And the concept is pretty straightforward, right? Uh, over the course of, of a week, I put out a lot of opinions. Radio, podcast, YouTube, Twitter, whatever, Instagram. And I get a lot of stuff right. When I get stuff right, nobody likes bragging about how much he got right more than your boy Torres. Problem is, I get a lot of stuff wrong, too. And so this is a way to hold myself accountable. We end every week where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. So let's get into it where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Where Aaron was right. You can go back to the day that Billy Napier was hired at Florida. And I said, this is the guy. I love this hire for the University of Florida. And it's pretty straightforward. Why? I said, look, Florida, it fell apart under Dan Mullen. And Billy Napier's entire career he has built his entire career on accountability, discipline, structure, all of the things that Florida was lacking. Even during the summer, if you remember, there was a five-star quarterback, Jaden Rashada, was supposed to commit to Florida, flips to Miami at the last second. Everyone's freaking out. It was the first, I said it, first time I've ever seen a fan base turn on its coach before he's ever coached a game. To his credit, Billy Napier bounced back, had some nice recruiting momentum coming out of the summer, and more importantly, has some momentum going into this weekend after taking care of Utah in week one. Listen, I'm not saying this is the guy that's going to topple Nick Saban. I'm not saying he's the guy that's going to be the next national championship winning coach. But at the same time, again, he's the right coach at the right time. We're going to talk about Brian Kelly a little bit later, but that felt like a reach. It felt like desperation. He's on the back end of his career. Billy Napier is the future. He gets how to deal with players. He gets how to deal with parents, boosters, recruits, the NIL, the transfer portal. He is new age. He is forward thinking. And again, I love what he is about. And I do believe that he is going to be great for Florida. Now, I'm not guaranteeing anything this year. It's going to take a while. They might end up losing to Kentucky this week. But I believe he is the right coach for Florida. Where Aaron was wrong. As many nice things as I said about Billy Napier, I did not predict a Florida victory over Utah. And so credit to Florida, discredit to me. I had a bunch of Gators fans get in my mention after that game and deservedly so. I said my single biggest concern coming into that game was all the stuff that I just talked about with Billy Napier, accountability, structure, this, that. That's great. But can you implement that all in an offseason and can you translate it into what might be the toughest schedule in college football, especially in September? I don't know if it's the toughest schedule overall. But when you open with Utah at home, Kentucky in week two, at Tennessee by the end of the, 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 the September's month, I said, I don't know if Billy Day, like Florida might be one in three when it's all said and done. And I certainly didn't think they were going to beat Utah, not in game one, even at home, not a veteran team, not a physical team, not a tough team, because I just felt like you can't implement, you can't overhaul structure, discipline, accountability in one offseason. Well, apparently you can because as I said on Monday, that was one of my single biggest takeaways from the entire week. The fact that in one offseason, Billy Napier has flipped a culture, has flipped a style of play, and has Florida playing with a degree of toughness that I never thought I'd see in such a short amount of time. Where Aaron was right, 
Listen, we're going to learn a lot about Alabama this weekend. But one thing that I said all offseason, I said, I don't think Alabama is just the best team in college football this year. I said two things. I think they are significantly better than the second best team, which at the time we thought was Ohio State. I said, I think the gap between number one and number two is bigger than two and the rest of college football. But what I also said was, this is a chance that has a, a, a team that has a chance to be historically great, even relative to Alabama standards. All the things we talked about to lead the show. Bryce Young's back. Will Anderson is back. The defense is stacked. Saban hit the portal to plug holes at wide receiver and running back. So why do I bring it up? Again, we're going to learn a lot about Alabama this week. But did you see what Blake Anderson, the head coach of Utah State, said after Alabama-Utah State? He said, I have been in college football for 30 years. That is the best team that I have seen since I began coaching. Listen, I'm just telling you, I'm not saying anything is guaranteed for Alabama, but this has a chance to be an all-time great Alabama team, as I've said for weeks, as I've said for months. This isn't just the most talented team in college football. They're the rare Alabama team that genuinely has a chip on its shoulder. Where Aaron was wrong. You know how I just said coming into the year, Ohio State was the second best team in college football in most everyone's eyes, including my own? It ain't anymore because Georgia is awesome, and I was dead wrong. And listen, we got over the Georgia stuff last year, but I really did kind of feel like coming into this year, okay, if they're ever going to take a step back, this has to be the year, right? This has to be the year for Georgia. You lose, you lose 15 guys to the NFL off last year's team. You lose five first-rounders just off your defense. You lose your two best running backs. You lose your best wide receiver to the transfer portal. There's no way they're going to be anywhere close to what they were a year ago. Oh, uh, yeah, I was dead wrong. Georgia not only looks awesome, they look like they are on a level that only Alabama at the highest level can compete with. As I told you on Monday's show, what stood out to me, Watching Georgia on Saturday against Oregon, I believe they have ascended to that Alabama level where we're officially at the point. It doesn't matter who they lose, what coordinators leave, what the coaching staff looks like. If you have a, their talent is so good, they're so well coached, and the culture is now there where I don't care who they're losing. I'm going to have them winning the SEC East every year from now until they prove me otherwise, and I'm going to have them in the playoff and competing at the highest level for championships. I believe that's what Kirby Smart has built. I was dead wrong. I thought this was a year that Georgia took a step back. I thought maybe they're just going to be a really good 10-2, even 11-1 regular season team that gets to the SEC title game, loses to Alabama, and has to settle for a Sugar Bowl. No. Georgia's the second-best team in the country. As I said on Tuesday's show, they are in a tier that only Alabama is in. Georgia is really good. Where Aaron was right. I told you. I told you. I told you. I told you. I said, by the end of Monday night, Labor Day night, we are going to know if Clemson has a quarterback controversy and if Dabo Sweeney needs to make a quarterback change. Well, it's official. He does. It's not going to happen this week. It's probably not going to happen next week. But by the middle of the season, DJ Uyangalale is not going to be your starting quarterback. Listen, it's no disrespect to the kid, but this is now year three. He's 15, 16, 17 starts into his career. He isn't the guy. He was a 55% completion percentage guy last year, 59% in game one against a bad Georgia Tech team. Uh, and he and, and you watch the game and two things stood out. One, the Clemson coaching staff coached afraid when he was in the game. 
wouldn't let him throw it deep, wouldn't let him really do anything other than very simple short passes to keep him in a rhythm. The other thing you saw, they put in Cade Klubnik, the five-star freshman, at the end, and it was right down the field looking like a, a future NFL pick. Quick, decisive, strong arm, accurate, touchdown. In six passes, he threw a touchdown. DJ needed 32 to throw a touchdown again. I said by the end of Monday night, we wouldn't know if a change was coming at quarterback with Clemson. It's coming. It might not be here today, but it is coming on strong. Where Aaron was wrong. Well, the Scott Frost era. Go back to week zero. They lost a game in the way that they always lose games. And oh, by the way, in week one against North Dakota, an FCS team that isn't even the best team in North Dakota, it was a one-score game and a tie game in the third quarter, okay? Listen, when Scott Frost was hired, I'm like everybody else. I thought this was going to be the home run, be all, end all. It's over. Nebraska's back. They're going to compete at a reasonably high level. This is the guy they've been waiting for. At some point, you just are what your record says you are. And we are now in year five with Scott Frost. If I'm going to be critical of DJ after 15 starts, I got to be critical of Scott Frost after five years where he can't win a close game. Listen, they'll probably win this weekend, although they play Georgia Southern. Clay Helton, I hope he beats Clay Helton. Remember, Clay Helton's the Georgia Southern coach. If he doesn't win, it's, it's whatever. But then next week is Oklahoma, then a bye, then he plays Indiana, then the clock is ticking. His buyout gets dropped in half after October 1. If you can't beat Indiana, I don't think he survives till the following week. And even then, the schedule is set up for him to win games, but he has just shown me nothing that makes me believe that he's the guy. I, I thought he was the guy when he was hired. I was hoping you get one more offseason, shake up the coaching staff. Nope. Tiger can't change his stripes. A leopard can't change his spots. Scott Frost cannot close out close games. I'm sorry, Nebraska fans. I'll tell you this, though. I really think there's going to be an interesting coaching candidate list when Scott Frost eventually goes. Where Aaron was right. All right, let's go to the NFL for one quick topic. I've been dead right. I don't think I've ever been more right on anything than the Jimmy G situation in San Francisco. And obviously on this show, I haven't talked a ton about it. But on my radio show, I talk about it all the time. I said I did not understand the idea that San Francisco was just going to give away a quarterback that led them to a Super Bowl and led them to an NFC Championship game last year for a young quarterback who clearly isn't ready. And I talked about it on Thursday's show. I did my NFL preview and predictions. And what did I say? I said, yes, you put in young quarterbacks, whether they're ready all the time, but usually it's the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence. It's the Dolphins with Tua. It's the Bengals with Joe Burrow. It's the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray. It's a bad team, and you need to figure out whether this is the guy or not. The San Francisco 49ers are a team that is built to win a Super Bowl right now this year, and you have a quarterback that we know is good enough to get you to a Super Bowl. By the way, he was good enough to win you the Super Bowl, too. Everybody criticized Jimmy G. Oh, the big overthrow late in the game. Guess what? Jimmy G gave you a, a double-digit lead into the fourth quarter, and your defense blew it. I've never understood the Jimmy G slander. I would have traded for him if I was one of these teams that needed a quarterback. But San Francisco keeps him around. I think it's very clear that by the middle of the season, Trey Lance isn't going to be the guy. We just talked about it with DJ. I think it's going to be the same thing in San Francisco. We're going to learn pretty quickly, DJ, uh, DJ uh, Trey Lance ain't the guy. Jimmy G gives you a chance to win right now, and Jimmy G ultimately is your quarterback. Finally, where Aaron was wrong. So when Brian Kelly was hired at LSU, I just said, this is the guy, right? This is the guy they've been waiting for, structure, accountability, discipline, all the things that we talked about with Billy Napier. 
And I'm not saying that Brian Kelly can't be that guy at LSU. But what I will say about the Brian Kelly situation is that what I was wrong about was I figured after the Coach O debacle that it would be a universal reception of positivity when it came to Brian Kelly. Coach O falls, you know, the program falls apart under Brian Kelly, under Coach O. You hire literally the winningest coach in the history of Notre Dame football. I thought LSU fans would be happy, but it's clear they weren't happy with the hire. It's clear they weren't happy on Sunday night with the way things fell. It's clear that some of the players aren't fully bought in with Kayshawn Boutte and Malik Neighbors scrubbing their Instagram accounts. And it's clear that the media covering Brian Kelly maybe doesn't quite have the respect for him that we thought. I know that the, the young lady who said that comment apologized and all that. It is weird. And I am just telling you, when it starts, the way it's supposed to start is how it started for Mario Cristobal at Miami, how it started for Lincoln Riley at USC, how it started for Brent Venables at Oklahoma, where everybody loves you, everybody embraces you. At LSU, it's already combative with Brian Kelly. And I don't see it getting better anytime soon, especially with a brutal schedule starting up again next week when they host Mississippi State in Baton Rouge. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Uh, great first week. Listen, this is all a new world. This is all a new era. Uh, and I appreciate your guys and girls' patience. We're going to get some of the technical issues uh, figured out. But if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. By the way, make sure to subscribe to YouTube. New episodes going up every single morning. Start your morning off with Torres. If you're not subscribed here, if you are subscribed, go ahead and, and just, you know, let the YouTube channel play as well help your boy out. But that is all for today's show. Really appreciate everybody's support. Really excited about what's ahead. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Betfred. And again, also Bracket Fanatics, by the way, you can still, even though the, the NFL started last night, you can still sign up for Bracket Fanatics, sign up for the Aaron Torres Pod Challenge. Excited to be playing against you all here. That is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Time for me to relax on the weekend. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Cannot wait to be back Monday to recap a loaded weekend of college football. New Aaron Torres Sports Podcast on Monday. I will catch you all then. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.